Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. It was an emotional day as Denmark faced Belgium, but Belgium took care of business courtesy of Kevin De Bruyne's magic and then some. Also the Netherlands, 2-4-2 two two in that one. And we look ahead to England and Scotland and some news regarding Tottenham. We have James Bench once again to discuss it all. Euro 2020 and much more. Kigo Lasso begins right now. Hey, everybody, welcome to Kigo Lasso. And joining us again, James Benj. I wanted some more James Benj this week, and we have him. James, what's up, bud? Oh, I'm good, thanks. Um, for those of us watching on YouTube, I'm drinking my can of sparkling <laughs> low-calorie soft drink. Um, other pro- products are available, but if uh, Cristiano Ronaldo won't hawk their product, I will. Can I just say, there's a lot of hate on Coke. Like I, I love you know. If you don't want to drink, it's fine. You don't need to put it away, right? I mean, it's not like Coke need the the help. I guess. I mean, hasn't Ronaldo kind of you know? He's done KFC of, advertising. Yeah. Like it's really not like get off your high horse, Chris. <laughs> right? I mean, We're, you know, anytime you do an advert, like Bill Hicks said, you know, you've you've sold your soul to the devil. It's too late to turn back now, Ronaldo. Exactly. If you're selling uh, fried chicken, uh, the, the, you know you can you can sell a little bit of coke. Come on now, come on now, uh, and Heineken as well. Come on. I mean, it's not my favorite beer, but you know, like, yeah. I just feel bad for them. I feel bad for the big conglomerates, James Bench. That's what I'm saying. It's been a tough week for the big conglomerates, <laughs> but not Viacom CBS. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, before we get fired, uh, welcome everybody to Kego Lasso, James Bench, and yours truly talking some Euro 2020. And uh, we're going to chat about England and Scotland as well, and some Tottenham news because Tottenham always uh, never really disappoints in terms of a quiet day. Uh, so we have a lot going on there. But let's talk Euro 2020 Thursday's action. Let's begin, James Bench. It was a very emotional day in Copenhagen just unbelievable scenes from both sides as Denmark faced Belgium on the 10th minute which is Christian Eriksen's number for the national team the game stood still everybody stood up applauded I mean it was just remarkable in so many ways and Denmark started well but you know Belgium were Belgium especially Lukaku and KDB talk to me about this game just your overall thoughts on it I thought kind of what was really enjoyable about it was that there was a real game there and that I think you know Denmark had spoken before the game about going out and doing something special and still playing to win this tournament Um, and we'll see you know what this means they'll probably need a quite good result against Russia but I came away with such admiration for the way this football team played utterly fearless intense relentless Um, come come on to talk about Belgium in a minute I'm sure but the atmosphere, you know, you were seeing that huge Ericsson shirt that was rolled out onto the pitch before kickoff. 
yeah, stopping. I think I believe that uh, you know I was looking this up. Basically, Ericsson's hospital bed is the other side of the the park. That park oh my god, that's amazing. I mean, you know, I think he suspects. Uh, you know, he may well have been able to see uh, see the stadium, and I'm sure he would have been able to hear that wonderful atmosphere from his um, from his bedroom and uh, or his, his hospital room. And I'm sh- I, I have to say, I thought, you know, the 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 Danish fans, the Danish players, everyone, you know, made the last, you know, they, they offered something really positive after what's been such a, a tough few days. An excellent football performance. Joachim Mailer was fantastic. Uh, Damsgaard as well. Those two out wide. I think they probably should have won the game. I thought they were excellent. Um, Brathwaite wasted chances. Courtois had a great game in goal and... You kind of learn that when you're playing the best teams in Europe, whether it's club or international, they're going to punish you if you don't take your chances. Yeah, absolutely right. And, it, you know, it obviously helps when you have Witzel and De Bruyne and Hazard coming on. And, you know, it's it's going to be difficult. FIFA ranks number one team. It's never going to be easy. But to your point, Denmark were outstanding, just regardless of the scoreline, just a heroic performance, everything that they've gone through. To your point, the stadium behind them, and Belgium were very respectful of the moment, to be honest. Uh, I don't even know how you deal with that when you're the opponent. It's like, you know, we need to understand the grandiosity of what's going on. But at the same time, we have a game to play. Uh, and, and that can really be significant. I feel like that's kind of what Roberto Martinez said at halftime. He was like, guys, I understand the occasion, but we, we have to respect Ericsson and Denmark by doing the best that we can do. And I feel that that's what kind of happened in the second half when Kevin De Bruyne came on and Witzel and Eden Hazard and then Lukaku just, you know, all he needs is just a moment. You know, he, he didn't score today, but just the, the, everything that he did was, was amazing. Just Belgium is just such a force, aren't they? Uh, going forward. Yes. Uh, yeah. Was, yeah. Good point. Defensively, there's definitely question marks. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. This is, you know, this it is, it is going to be a huge task for whoever they face in the final rounds of this tournament to hold that attack at bay. Lukaku is, uh, you know, he's playing like uh, an even higher grade version of him at his best at Everton, which is always what I think of as, as prime Lukaku. I know he's been phenomenal at Inter Milan, but particularly the way he drifts out wide and then uses that as his angle to kind of build a head of steam. Wonderful. Uh, not, it wasn't just, you know, we, we when, when you see someone kind of hold the ball up with two defenders around him, like he did for that, uh, for De Bruyne's goal, everyone sort of thinks of it as like a power thing. It's, and it is no doubt, but it's also just, you know, the technical excellence to keep that ball and keep moving the, the play where you want it. You know, the, sh- the shooting opportunity is gone that you're not going to cross it because you want to be aiming to Lukaku. So you'll keep it moving and you'll cycle it out to Tielemans and then, Phenomenal by De Bruyne, who came back and was playing as well as ever. But, you know, as I said, I think for, I, I'm the reason I'm not quite buying Belgium as winners is it was the, the game plan for Denmark was so simple. And there was, I just didn't feel like I could see how Belgium could answer it. You hit the space in in behind the wing backs and you drag the Tongan and Aldevaro out of position. And then you know what's going to happen because they're old centre-backs and they've got wing-backs in Hazard and, and Munia who aren't very good defending. No Castagna back for the rest of the tournament. I just don't see that that um, Roberto Martinez can fix this. And I think in the end, whether it's Italy, whether it's France, England, there will be a team that has a better balance and has more cutting edge up front that will rip through this defence and win quite convincingly. 
Yeah, no, good point. It's the same thing that I mentioned about Italy, which is, you know, with all due respect to the previous two opponents, you know, there's going to be tougher competition and that's really when you're going to be tested. So we will see what happens in the round of 16, but other uh, results as well. Ukraine, uh, you know, 2-1 against North Macedonia, another goal for North Macedonia, pretty good. Andrei Shevchenko, uh, happy with his team. Uh, Ukraine's kind of intriguing, aren't they? We talked yeah, about Yarmolenko. Yeah, Yarmolenko's, Yarmolenko's wonderful for a player that's not getting in the West Ham team. It, it is that fun mix of kind of wide forwards that can that can do a lot. And it helps that Yeremchuk's having quite a good start to the tournament as well. I think a few of the teams we've seen around the Euro so far, you go, yeah, nice wide forwards. I mean, this is almost the thing with Denmark. Yeah, some nice build-up. And then no one to put it in the back of the net. If you've got your Emchuk, you've got Yarmolenko, who, uh, you know, we've spoken about really top quality at what he does best. You've got a chance come the round of 16. And I think, you know, looking at the results in the other um, in the other game in group uh, C, what's yep, C, yeah, C, yeah, it's kind of winding down as we speak now. Like they could trounce Austria. Uh, coming on to be well, Austria are garbage yeah i have hated <laughs> watching every minute of them playing because there are talented players there that aside from about 15 minutes against north macedonia have done naffle I, I don't know if it's the case in the states as well but with the british commentary we have here everyone's just looking at david alaba going why is he so far away from the important why is your best player and yes i know he plays center back for Bayern munich why is he so far away from anywhere that he can impact the game positively <laughs> I am. I initially said at the start of this game, Austria are going to be the team you forget were at Euro 2020. I'm not sure that's true anymore because I don't think I will ever allow myself to forget how much I hated seeing this team at Euro 2020 because I was quite excited for them and they've let me. They've let their. You know, they've not let their country down. They've won a game, but they've let me down, and in many ways, that's more important. <laughs> So don't fly into Vienna, I think, any day soon. I'm not sure if you'll love it. It's such a nice city. <laughs> I know. It's a beautiful country as well. But yes, as uh, we are speaking, the Netherlands beating Austria 2-0. Frank de Boer, we give a lot of stick. We give him a lot of stick here at Cable Lasso, and rightly so. But two wins out of two. James Bench, no Virgil van Dijk. The lift just getting back into, you know, contention. I mean, there's a lot of talent there. So, you know, but what do you make of the Netherlands? Yeah, I think, I mean, I I think we're all going to go down. Frank de Boer could be holding up the European Championships and we go, yeah, but is he the guy? Um, <laughs> so true. But this, the system is kind of working fairly nicely. You know, that, that front three in particular, Vinaldum was slightly less attack-minded, I thought, today than in the game against, uh, against Ukraine. And I think there's, there's kind of been a little bit of a, a zag back towards so let, let's try and be a bit more solid but he's making really nice late runs into the box yeah um the wing backs are great fun uh denzel dumfries is everything you would hope for from a man he's named great denzel. um <laughs> Beckhorst is he, he is i my, my thing every time particularly with relation to england but whenever you kind of i i'm talking in the build-up to tournaments i'm always like just give yourself a tall striker because it's international football. You don't have a lot of time on the training pitch. And if, if every once in a while you've got someone that you can knock the ball long to, who can take it down, 
find a teammate. Um, that will be really helpful. And he's, he's so unselfish. There was a moment, it was, again, it was really interesting. Gary Lineker was talking about this in, in commentary, ball over the top to Veghorst, chests it down and looks for the pass across to Depay. Who misses it, skives it, yeah. Skies it. And he was sort of saying, you know, you're doubling your chances there for something to go wrong because you've got to get the pass right and the pass wasn't great and you've got to get the shot right as opposed to just getting the shot right. I can see why he... You know, it, it was a really hard shot to take. I think he had a defender quite near him. But I think in many ways, I really like the fact that Veghorst kind of goes, no, I think I can try and get it to, you know, if the pass was slightly lower for Depay, that's a goal, a really easy opportunity as opposed to hitting it on in, on the volley across the far post. I like that that bond between those two. Yeah, because you know what? A lot of other strikers would just, they'd have just taken the shot. Like they wouldn't even looked on the left side. So yeah, test and listen, a testament to like how far Peter Crouch's career went. You know, I mean, not to say that it was just about his height, but you know, he offers something that many other teams can't do. So yeah, it's a good point. Listen, it it's a very balanced Netherlands side. And I don't again, I know everybody, if you if, if you're Dutch and you you're enjoying Frank de Bar, I know. But he does have a lot of talent in this squad, and mm. it would be very, you know, shocking to me that he doesn't get a win against this Austrian side, which uh, to James's point have been pitiful. And even Ukraine, to be honest, uh, who, by the way, made it an interesting game with a 3-2 win. So, you know, time will tell to see what happens uh, later on. But two out of two, not bad. Can you see them going further than round the 16? Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe. I, You know, they've got, they've got a great midfielder, got a defense that can... I mean, uh, yeah, Frankie de Jong... He's uh, this is great not news the, to anyone, but yeah, yeah, no, he's everywhere as well for the for the for the Netherlands as well. He's not just uh, covering one side; it's amazing. But anyway, uh, the game's wrapping up two nothing to the Netherlands, and that that is that for Thursday's action. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna talk to Benjamin a little bit about Friday, including, of course, England against Scotland, uh, and also some uh, Tottenham news because there's always Tottenham news. We'll be right back. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Welcome back, everybody, to Kigolazo. James Bench here. Bench, before we talk about Friday and the big one, England against Scotland, Euro 96 vibes, of course. Uh, let's talk about Tottenham for a second. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just all crumbling down. Fonseca was meant to be there. It's it, The talks went off and then got two. So apparently, what's going on? Tell me, talk to me. What is it you ask? Um, sort of in, some of the indications from Italy are that the the, sort of, the signs within London are, in terms of financial side of Fonseca is that that wasn't it wasn't an issue for them in Italy that that, that it's being said that it's something to do with uh, his tax status his okay. own personal tax status in Rome um, which also I think comes down to the fact that he has a university degree Again, this only these sort of things only happen to Tottenham. So ultimately, this deal has sort of fallen apart, but that's not too disappointing for Paratici, uh, the sporting director who arrived uh, a few weeks ago, kind of as part of a plea, a, a ploy to get Antonio Conte. That didn't work. Him, Pochettino, Ten Hag. Um, he didn't want Fonseca. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think in the end, he well, he really wanted Gattuso. And this opportunity has kind of all broken today with Gattuso leaving Fiorentina, who didn't want anything to do with his agent, George Mendes. Understandable. And he is now, it seems, and I think we have to kind of caveat this because we've had two, you know, what seemed to be certain to, or strong possibilities with Fonseca. That we thought was certain. Uh, Conte, we thought that was going to happen. And even Pochettino, there was a moment where you thought they're going to pull this off here. So I'm not saying anything until it's done. But now it appears that Reno Gattuso is coming in. I think we, maybe outside of Serie A, the, the view is he's he's kind of a motivational hard man guy. And I think if you look at his Milan team and his Napoli team, there's there's more to it than meets the eye. And yeah, I think we have a lot of connections more to him as a player than a manager outside mm. of Italy. I think that's what's going on, right? And they've been more, they've been relatively successful given their, you know, their ability. I know Napoli, yeah. I, uh, you know, kind of fell short in the Champions League for this season and, and in the Europa League, but they're not quite the team they were under Sarri. I think he's done well there. He will yeah. do reasonably well. It's going to be a crash course for him in the Premier League and he's going to be doing it probably quite possibly without his best player in Harry Kane. Um going to be trying circumstances and it is interesting that they are appointing a manager who has just left Fiorentina because of this these issues with his agent I think that's it's safe to say it's interesting maybe any more than that might not be safe to say what does this mean for Harry Kane do you think I mean it's I hard to predict the future but you know there's inconsistency and the inability to gain any kind of balance stability in the club can't be good for their main star yeah i think that tottenham will always hope they can change his mind but everything that has happened throughout their attempts to appoint a manager which we have to remember goes back to a long right time before the efl cup final you know this goes back to <laughs> april it all points to um an organization that just isn't really on top of things and that isn't going places and that isn't the place you want to stay if you're approaching 27 28 and you want to win trophies. In the end, does this really kind of change the whole negotiating landscape? No, it probably still doesn't mean that, you know, it, it doesn't mean that Kane would go on strike, which I think is always the the way you leave, you really leverage this situation. 
we still no one believes that that, that would happen with Kane. But it just made, if you were hoping, if you were a Tottenham fan or you were Daniel Levy, you were hoping against all hope that he'd come back from the a successful Euros and go, you know, I want to do, I want to win trophies with Tottenham. Yeah. He's going to be looking at this and going, I want to, but I can't. I just can't. Yeah. It's just, it's very tricky to try and figure anything out. Obviously the focus is on England and the European championship, but this is still a story yet to be finished this summer, I believe. And we will see anyway, speaking of England, let's wrap up here for Friday's action. Of course, uh, Croatia play the Czech Republic. Actually, before that, even as well, Sweden, I believe, face Slovakia at 9 a.m. Eastern. Croatia, Czech Republic at 12 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Eastern evening in Europe, England against Scotland. Give me the latest here, especially on the lineup for England, James Bench. Uh, at, the, at the moment, we're still kind of waiting for indications. There are a few rumours that have flown around this week that Marcus Rashford might come into the team. Uh, an interesting one, considering that this Scotland team is going to defend really deep. So maybe there's a, more of an argument for playing two creators. Bit of debate around Harry Kane. Um, certainly not one that Gareth Southgate is getting involved in in terms of him not scoring. I think there are a few maybe England viewers who were quite surprised to see basically how Harry Kane plays now, dropping deep and making late runs into the box. I think that will work, but it didn't quite, didn't quite work against Croatia. So, I mean, they're the, the, the key selection dilemmas. The other thing to make you aware of, Harry Maguire, Gareth Southgate said in his press conference, is available for selection. We'll see what that means. I'd be surprised if he starts. Um, Which Maguire not- called himself fit first, right? Yeah. He was like, hey, everybody, I'm good to go. First he said it, and then England went, like, all right, you're fit. Okay. Yeah. So in Southgate sort of said, yeah, available. It didn't say. So I imagine Tyron Mings out of that. I think Mings was good enough that I wouldn't risk Maguire's fitness. And I think let's let's keep him for game three. Um, The big one for me is Kieran Tierney being back for Scotland. That changes a lot. Yes, it does. He he is very comfortable in that left uh, left side of a back three role. Um, allows Robertson to really bomb onto the byline because Tierney will be backing up and delivering those wonderful crosses he does. Um, there are other questions for Scotland. Does Billy Gilmore come in in central midfield, give a bit more creativity, a bit more forward looking? And Lyndon Dykes was not great, missed a lot of good chances. So maybe you bring in Che Adams, who kicks the football incredibly hard <laughs> always just smashes it off his boot um i knows this england said very well of course playing for southampton uh you know and he, he's he's a good poacher too like yeah it, it, this is going to be intriguing now i'm going to ask you bench uh you know you mentioned to create do you see the same you know if rashford comes in which again i agree that would be intriguing but Phil Foden stays in this lineup, I guess. I mean, Raheem Sterling did score the winner against Croatia. Are we seeing Jack Grealish on the bench one more time? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I I I know it's I, what you know, said, right? Yeah. I yeah, I know you would be dev- devastated. I know a lot of England fans would be devastated. It it is hard to kind of really the th- the thing with Grealish is he is by far and away the best player on his very good team. Everyone else in this England squad is not the best player, but they're a elite player on an elite team. And so I don't, I still just don't know what level Grealish is at. And yes, he plays really well for England, but I think 
in the end, if given a straight choice between him and Phil Foden, which is what the choice is going to come down to nine times out of 10, you have to pick Phil Foden. He is, you know, a key cog in, in spite of the result of the Champions League final, the best team in Europe. I hope Grealish comes on. I, I think the thing with which you might, you know, I, I, I'm more tired Scotland who were depending more on the counter, be physical, be stoic at the back. The, 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 you know, the more the minutes go on, the more you would expect. Okay, then Southgate thinks, let me bring somebody that likes to hold the ball, likes to conduct mm. a free roll, and then causes even more of a nightmare. So I can see that. And to your point about Phil Foden, look, here's the thing: like Phil Foden fits a Gareth Southgate system better than a Jack Grealish one in many ways because he. Phil Foden penetrates a box without the ball. He doesn't need it. Like Grealish needs that ball. He needs to direct mm. play. And sometimes that can be a tricky situation in international play. So it would be very interesting. But then again, that's the point about Marcus Rashford too, right? He, he, he's looking for that through in the counter. So I'm wondering, yeah. I'm wondering what he's really thinking on that other side. I, I, I mean, it may well not be Rashford. I think with Grealish, I think we have to be quite honest about how so this is not Aston Villa. Aside from Aston Villa fans, I think a lot of England fans view him as the nearest approximation, at least with the exception of Wayne Rooney, that England have had to Paul Gascoigne. Yeah, and, no, one hundred percent. You know, we can we can talk about ninety six briefly, but uh, th there is no player I think in again, you know, recent English footballing history who is as beloved as Gascoigne for his flaws. And you know, it's worth pointing out Jack Grealish is not above those floors. Um, no, he's yeah. not. Hey, listen, I, I grew up during that time uh, in England when in the Gaza years, and it's 100% correct. It's, it's exactly the same kind of mirror here. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's it, this is a different manager, it's a different era and different tactics. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's uh, a win for England against Croatia and looking for 2-0 against Scotland. It, the only worry for me is that Scotland is going to try and frustrate so if you're looking to have players that like a Rashford that's, that plays better off the ball, that, that could be tricky because, you know, it, it's going to be, I, I just, I just know this. It doesn't matter who Scotland plays. They're going to play much better when they face England. Mm -hmm. This is going to be the oh. best Scotland side you're going to see. So, you know, I mean, I imagine Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice in the middle as well. Right. And then, you know, um, everything else pointing towards, uh, you know, that, that front trio with Harry Kane leading up top. And the right side is interesting. The right back side, did we talk about that? I mean, you know, Carl Walker didn't have his best day. Pace though, isn't it? I think he, he yeah, will always true. get the nod for, for that for that pace. I, I just, the only other thing to pick up on, because, you know, maybe for American listeners, they're not as familiar with this, that it's not so much the England-Scotland rivalry, it's the Scotland-England rivalry. Yeah. Um, you know, you... you I th there are loads and loads of English fans who wish Scotland well, and I'm sure there are many Scotland fans who wish England well. Mm, I haven't met many of them, though. There is a... This is, I, I don't think I've met any, but yeah. Th there is this, a real sort of simmering... I mean, you know, no one likes the English anyway, but I think this is a true, true international derby grudge match. You know, this is... It's not... It's Celtics-Lakers. It's a... Uh, it's a proper, proper, proper grudge match. Yeah. Not that, not that there's not friendliness to the relationship between English people and Scottish people, but that this is about how Scotland views itself. Watch if Scotland win, watch what happens to the Scottish national party and, you know, belief in Scottish independence, things like that. Yeah. The, the whole country 
you know, the whole of the United Kingdom is about to come to a standstill. No, if Scotland win, it, it's as if they made it to the final. Like it's it's that big. If not, maybe winning. It's it's that big. It's it's a, it's a very big game, which is why we wanted to talk about it uh, with so much depth. Uh, do I dare ask you a prediction? Yes, I think that Scotland will take at least a point. Uh, wow, I would be inclined to say a two 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 draw. Wow, that would be huge. I think I've written a, given a different prediction in my written, which I'm now going to have to go back and change. <laughs> what did you give in that? I think then you kind of just think, well, England are much better. They're going to win. But it's just this. It's just something about a game like this. It doesn't, mm. you know, it's kind of like when you talk about a derby, like it, it, almost previous statistics and analytics kind of go out the window in many ways because there's so much at stake. Um, I think the Wembley crowd might be a factor. If this was in Glasgow, I would, venture to you know say yeah i mean that would be incredible but regardless this will be a fantastic game 3 p.m eastern on friday james bench always a pleasure uh we're not going to talk to you till next week is there any game this weekend that you're looking forward to aside from that one i know that portugal's playing germany spain poland hungary france anything that appeals to you yeah, I'm kind of kind of hyped for um, Spain Poland. I have I am starting to wonder if Spain might. I mean, you know, we'll probably get out because this, you know, this stupid group stage that takes forever to get rid of eight out of twenty four teams. But I think I think things might be getting a bit difficult for Spain as well as they played and they did play quite well against Sweden. I think was it the most passes ever in a Euro game or something? The most passive. Ball. I, I say I'm looking forward to it. God, I'll be bored 10 minutes in when Spain <laughs> have not passed the ball into the box yet. Well, I mean, Jimmy and I talked about it. Moreno has to start. I really hope he starts and um, Morata on the bench, but we'll see what happens. I'm excited for that one too. Um, but anyway, it's been a pleasure, James Bench. Bench will be back next week. Don't forget to read his content on CBS Sports and also make sure that you follow him on Twitter, James Bench. Bench, thanks so much, brother. Thanks, my pleasure. Hey, everybody. I want to thank James Bench for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Kegolasso Pod. Please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Please follow us there. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube.com forward slash Kegolasso, CBSSports.com and your CBS Sports app. We got plenty more to come. After this episode, we have a huge weekend preview full of betting tips with Jimmy Conrad and much, much more content. We will see you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.